We are in a series called The God in Me. In fact, this is the last message in this series of messages called The God in Me, where we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm taking it from a little thing that uh, the, to remember the persons of the Trinity, that um, the Father is the God who will always be, the Son is the only God I'll ever see, and the Holy Spirit is the God in me. And we have been looking at these chapters in John where Jesus is explaining to us the Holy Spirit. And when we very first started the series, I told you I grew up in a church where uh, we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. And so there was a lot of misunderstanding. And I think there still is a lot of misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit, that he is a him and that he is one who dwells within us. We, we teach children about Jesus, and rightfully so, but Jesus taught his disciples very carefully that this is a comforter. He is a comforter I am sending to you. He is a counselor I am giving to you in order to help you through what you're getting ready to go through. And, and what I'm leaving with the church, it's so he is, he is sent to us in the absence of Jesus' presence, his physical presence here, he says, I'm, I'm giving to you the next person in the Trinity so that you will have the Father, you will have the Son and the Spirit all there with you all the time. And it is, he is a mystery. It is, he is he's so hard to figure out sometimes how he works and so forth. But Jesus gives us some insight. So that's what we've been looking at. How the Holy Spirit actually does work within our lives on a regular basis. And we utilize him all the time. And he's there whether we recognize him being there or not. When you and I become followers of Jesus Christ, uh, He, in order for us to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we are baptized in his Spirit. This is the, the the miracle is is that uh, it's not like this thing I need, like something I'm going to drink or a pill I'm going to take or whatever, or, or something I'm going to be infused with in order to get this superpower or whatever. But it is a it is a reality that when you and I give our hearts to Jesus Christ and say, I do trust in you, I do follow you, that this faith, that this the Holy Spirit quickening us, making us aware of our need for Him, and then when we say yes. Make your home with me. And however you manifest it. That's why when people say, well, I don't know if I prayed the prayer right or I went up front and I shook the preacher's hand and so forth. Those things are not what transform us. The transformation takes place when God does something to you. And the thing he does to you is he puts his Holy Spirit in you. And when he puts his Holy Spirit in you, now you're changed. Now you're made new. Now you're, you're transformed. You're becoming, you're being made new. And so now you begin this new life. And so you say, well, how do I know it happened? How do I know it was real? Well, you get goosebumps. And if you don't get goosebumps, you're not saved. Uh, so I'm kidding. But the, uh, no, you know, he, you know what happens. He tells us you'll see the, the effects of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's fruit. There are things that the Holy Spirit does. Now, can people who are not saved manifest some of that same fruit? Yes, they can. But if you're not manifesting that fruit, then you definitely do not have the Holy Spirit because these are things that mark him. So we're we're looking for those things. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when 
I tell people, you know, my children are trying to identify whether they are with me. Could they have traits of other people? And and yes, they could. But they're but they're my children. And if you're going to be my children, you will manifest the traits that are m- me that we passed on to you. Sadly, sometimes that's those. Some of those are good. Some of those are bad. But we but you see those things. And so this is today. This is as we close this out. Understand we are we're looking we're looking to see if one, we have the Holy Spirit in us, because then we're a follower of Jesus Christ. But if we have the Holy Spirit in us, then these are truths we can hang on to. That are, are, are we? That's why that in the video it says, "I know, I know these things are true." There are certain facts that Scripture tells us. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, when you know Him as your personal Lord and Savior, when you follow Him and you and you see the evidence of God at work in your life, then these things also follow. These things are also a reality. And today we're looking at a little phrase that Jesus is going to use over and over again. It's the little phrase is, in a little while. In a little while is what he's going to tell his disciples. And that little while, uh, sometimes I, it's kind of like when you tell your kids, they say, when are we going to get there? Just so we'll be there in a little while. Or when are you going to come home? In a little while. When are we going to go play? In a little while. You know, it. When you are told that, it's never now, is it? That's what we want to hear. We want to hear right now. So when you, in a little while, then it's just varying degrees, isn't it? It's like in a little while can mean, I don't know, 2,000 years, or it can mean uh, five minutes, but it's not now. But it's something that a parental figure says when he's trying to bring you comfort. And what he's saying is, it is going to happen. It will actually be quicker than you think. Be quicker than you think. And here's a here's a reality that we have to remind ourselves. I have to remind myself of this. Because people always say, what about the tribulation? When's the tribulation? Is this the tribulation that we're in right now? When's it going to come and how bad is it going to be? You know, tribulation is relative. Because if you're going through a horrible time right now, well, it feels like you're in it right now. And and so you're all you want to know is how long does this last, and and also when we talk about the coming of Jesus, and that's really what he's saying is in a little while, you know, I'll be coming back. But really, even though Jesus did not return while the apostles were here and so forth doing their ministry, well, he did return in a way for them. So there's two different things that are happening all the time. One is Jesus is going to return for everybody. But in the meantime, Jesus returns for us one at a time. Because when you and I, like I said, when this heart stops beating, these lungs stop working, Jesus comes back for me. And I go to be with him. That's really my second coming, right then. Because when he comes again, I'll be coming with him. You know, if I'm already, if I'm already there, then when he returns again, we come with him, and then we, everybody else comes to meet us. He says, dead in Christ rise first. Not, uh, not later, but now. And so... So in a little while really is when this life ends, when this part, this phase of my existence is over. There's a, a, um, a uh, song that Amy Grant, I, I just have to share this a little bit. If you're an Amy Grant fan or person or were, not now, but whatever the case. Because once I started, picked up this message and began preparing it or whatever, the song In a Little While by Amy Grant has been in my head over and over again. If you don't know it, I'm going to tell you the lyrics so it will be stuck in your head over and over again because that's only fair. It says, 
This is what it says. Got a ticket coming home. Wish the officer had known what a day today had been. has been. Then I stumbled through the door, dropping junk mail on the floor. When will this day end? But then your letter caught my eye, brought the hope in me to life, because you know me very well, and I bet you wrote me just to tell me. In a little while, we'll be with the Father. Can't you see him smile? In a little while, we'll be home forever. In a while, we're just here to learn to love him. We'll be home in just a little while. Boy, that letter hit the spot. Make me think of all I've got and all that waits for me. Guess I've known it all day long. Wonder where my thoughts went wrong. When will my heart believe? Walking halfway through the night, reaching toward the lamp for light, picking up the word, I find here's another letter to remind me. In a little while, we'll be with the Father. Can't you see him smile? In a little while, we'll be home forever. In a while, we're just here to learn to love him. We'll be home in just a little while. Days like these are just a test of our will. Will we walk or will we fail or will we fall? Well, I can almost see the top of the hill and I believe it's worth it all. In a little while, we'll be with the Father. Can't you see him smile? In a little while, we'll be home forever. In a while, we're just here to learn to love him. We'll be home in just a little while. In John chapter 16, verse 16. Jesus says this, he says, a little while, and you will no longer see me. Again, a little while, and you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, what is this he's telling us? A little while, and you will see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. A little while, and you will not see me. Again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father, they said, what is this he is saying? A little while, we don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, Are you asking one another about what I said? A little while, and you will not see me. Again, a little while, and you will see me. Truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now. But I will see you again, your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy from you. In that day, you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word and pray this morning as you reveal yourself to us. Lord, that we would not be afraid of where this all turns out, of where this all goes. But Father, that we will be focused, hyper-focused upon you and upon your reason for putting us here in the first place. May your purpose for our lives become paramount right now. And may we be faithful to do what you've put us here to do. Lord, maybe we got just a little bit comfortable. Maybe we got just a little lackadaisical in our daily routines or in our, or the way we were looking at life and you needed us to be shaken a little bit to wake us up, to help us to realize we have a job to do and may we be focused on that work for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes we just don't understand. Sometimes we just don't understand. You know, I whenever you're preaching or preparing a message or whatever, there are just there are things you want to say, things that are always fun and uplifting and so forth. But this, let me tell you, this has been 
some rough weeks to find humor or to find positive things and so forth. Um, Daniel and I do. I just want you to know, we do, and Randy, we, we laugh a lot. Um, we find ways to, <laughs> we make fun of everything, We but that's within our own. So things that we wouldn't share here and things that we wouldn't, uh, definitely wouldn't put on social media. Uh, but we do that because I, when I was in journalism, I was always taught to find humor in things because it's just the way you are able to deal with it and, and move on. And I, I just encourage you in that, not to try to figure out what makes us laugh because that would be wrong, but the but to find ways to make yourself laugh, to find joy in things, to, to look for things. Don't just continually burden yourself down. But that being said, I am going to share with you just a story, just just a dark time because sometimes there are just things we don't understand. And I... I remember there was a, uh, I got a call years ago and um, from a family that had really already been through a lot. Their four-year-old grandson and, and the person I had married the mom and dad of, the, of the, their, their daughter and her husband and so forth and had done, and so we knew them, have known them for a long time, knew the girls since they were kids and now they were grown up and had kids of their own. And they had a four-year-old little boy and a two-year-old little girl the little boy got up early in the morning. They didn't have a swimming pool at their house, but there was a swimming pool at the neighbors next door. The four-year-old boy got up and unlocked the door to the front door and took his two-year-old sister to go swimming in the pool next door. He went with her, but he came back without her. And so he woke the mom and dad up to say something was wrong in a four-year-old communication, if you can imagine. And so they got up, frantic looking, while by the time they found her, she was face down in the pool. And so that's the call I get. Her sister was expecting a baby. She went into labor the next day. The baby was born with complications, and within a few hours, the baby had died. So in the course of two days... They lost two grandchildren, and each of their children were going through devastation. And I can remember being there with them, and the and them asking, you know, why? And me, I got nothing. And sometimes we just don't understand. We just don't understand why is this happening? Why? Why is this? Why is this going on? And, and sometimes God comes into our lives and allows things to happen. And, and it can take all various different forms of events. And I'm sure you've experienced or you've walked with people experience where you just are like, I try to put things together because you, you see where I, I've been through life events with people and you see that things happen and, it, and you're like, well, something good. And you see the, the long-term effects, you know, you you're in ministry enough, and Randy can identify with this, I know. Been a minister longer than I have. And so, you know, you see this happen, and you think, oh, maybe God will bring something good. But didn't you struggle to find the good that he's bringing out of it? Because it seems like that started a series of events where things just got darker and darker and darker for people. And you're like, why? And it just doesn't make sense. And this is actually where... The disciples are at this moment. Now, you and I have the luxury 
of looking back at the events of Scripture with 2,000 years of perspective. And we can see things that are happening and go, oh, well, yeah, it looks bad here, but it's going to get better here. But when you're reading through the Bible, sometimes it's important to think, did anybody ever see that in their lifetime? You know, when you go through like Hebrews 11 or whatever, it even says, you know, these were people who died hoping that this would get better, but it didn't get better while they were here. They never saw the silver lining. They never saw the good. Generations later see the good, but they never got to see it. And that's and that's why it's such a chapter of faith. It's why we call it the Hall of Faith. It is people who still believed and still trusted, even though it never got better. And all you have, all you have is just the character of God in that. That's it. You have... That God is a good God. And how do I know God is a good God? And this is what I have to remind myself of over and over again. I, I have to remind myself he is really good because he gave his son Jesus to die for us. I mean, that's it's not just cliche. It's, it's, some, it's an anchor to hold on to. And, and we know this. We know that when the disciples are getting this, Jesus saying, I'm going to leave you. It's like, what? And he's, then you'll see me again. Well, they're not going to be thinking about the see you again part when he leaves them. When you watch someone you love and care about executed, publicly publicly humiliated and executed, and it wasn't a quick execution. It's not like he was in jail for a little bit and they did lethal injection. They dragged him out in the public square and they flogged him and they humiliated and stripped him naked and beat him and then crucified him in public in front of everybody. And they're taunting him and so forth. This person you have walked with for three years and you have loved him and you have seen him touch children and make blind eyes see and make lame people walk and you are putting so much hope in him and and his ability to finally set you free from all the difficulties that you've been going through and you're thinking we've suffered through the oppression that we've gone through but it's almost over we're almost done we're getting ready he's going to be king and then all is going to be put right it's going to be so good and now all that is just being squashed as you watch him on the cross Look what he says in verse 16, in chapter 16, verse 16. He says this. A little while, and you will no longer see me. Now that's, those are tough words right there. I mean, just imagine sitting with people you love and saying, in a little while, I'm going to be gone. And the questions that start to reel through. Where are you going? How long are you going to be gone? And then he says, again a little while, and you will see me. It says, then some of his disciples, and, that's, and he leaves it at that, because then some of his disciples said to one another, what is this he's telling us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. They said, what is this he is saying? A little while. And I love these words. We don't know what he's talking about. They're sitting right there with Jesus. Sometimes I, I, would, I would say, I always say to myself, I wish Jesus were here to make this clear. And then you realize they were with Jesus and they still couldn't understand. And, and part, of, part of something that God wants us to know and what we need to know through this is that with the Holy Spirit with us, we don't have to wish Jesus was here because everything that Jesus has 
Every bit of knowledge that Jesus possesses, everything that Jesus understands, the Holy Spirit understands. The Holy Spirit has. And he can give that to us at any given moment. He gives us what we need. And here's something that, um, this to me, I think is, there. there's some like core truths of Scripture that... Um, that I think are that have really helped me through my spiritual journey. And, and so this is one of those. Never be afraid to ask the Holy Spirit for clarification. He wants you to understand. He wants you to understand. Because I, I remember for so long I used to think that God was playing games with me, that he was like doing things just, that it was like a puzzle. and He would give us an enigma that we would have to figure out. Like that, there were like, oh, this is, you know, it's like he, because you read the parables and so forth, and you're like, oh, these are things, clues here and there and so forth. And it's like I would try to look at life as if God had created this game, and, and I was like, and I go this way, and it's like God was going to go, oh, you try, but you messed up. Sorry, it's, it was over here. It was to the left, and you went right. So sorry, you didn't figure that out. But that is not how God relates to us. If you look at, Actually, walking through the Word, when God, when you people encounter God, He is very clear. He is very clear. All, that is a characteristic of God. He is clear. Now, Satan deals with ambiguity. He makes things unclear, and this is this is why we get confused because we think it's God who's making something unclear, but it's not God who's making it unclear. It's that we have other voices that are trying to confuse us with what God is trying to make very clear. I mean, let's just go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Do not eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. That's not ambiguous. That's clear. Satan comes along and makes it ambiguous. Like, did he really say, do you think he really will die? Because God said, you will die. And Satan comes along and says, really? You think that's, you, you'll die? You know. So, So now they're like, whirling these things around their head and thinking, is it what did he what did God mean by this? Well God meant what he meant. It wasn't he wasn't making it unclear. It was Satan that comes along and makes it unclear. And in the same way in your life, God says this, you know, love other people as I have loved you. Very clear, very direct. One commandment. Boom. There it is. Love other people. And then we meet people and they seem very unlovable. And it's like, well, surely it mean for me to love this person, obviously this person's unlovable. God, right? That's not this person. And God's in heaven going, no, everybody, I didn't give exceptions. I said, love people as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. And, and so we start to try, and, but Satan comes in and he's like, no, 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 no. Not them. Don't love those people. Don't do this. Don't do that. Whereas God makes things very, very clear. Um, I was listening to a message by Vody Bauckham and just super powerful message on race and on the subject of race, how there is only one race. We are of the race of Adam. That's how we all got here. And he just points out that color of skin is just a melatonin issue, just levels of melatonin, but we're all the same race. So where did the race thing come from? Well, it didn't come from God. We created that. Well, I'm going to say the enemy created it. And then we keep it perpetuating it. So you have this 
very clear thing that God says, no, we're all the same. People are all the same. They're, they're, we're all fallen. We all need a redeemer. And that's how God looks at us. And he says, when he says every tribe and tongue, he's talking about all the ethnic origins of everybody, all the different languages. If you think of it in terms of languages that people speak, when we speak these different languages, languages in the Bible, languages are what divided people. And also who we worship. That divided people. Because certain groups would worship other people. So these were the things that God says, that's what makes this group different over here because they do not acknowledge me as God. And so that that is the only barrier we're trying to overcome. And the good news that Jesus gives is that he can make it possible for that barrier to be overcome. No matter what background people come from, no matter what gods they've worshipped in the past, no matter where they were born. I mean, that was good news for us because it was just Israel. And then God expanded it and said, I want the whole world to be saved. And so through Jesus, all of us can be saved, Jews and Gentiles alike. We're in the Gentile category. It was never about color of skin. These are things that we introduced, I think, through the guidance and direction of the enemy. But we ask the Holy Spirit for clarification and he will give us clarification because he wants us to understand. I, I uh, had a friend, and I remember uh, we were coaching basketball together, and I've referenced him before. He loves it when I preach about him and so forth. But um, I'm just going to tell you, he introduced me to the best shrimp I've ever had in the entire world, uh, in a place called Osteen's in St. Augustine, Florida. If you've never been there, look it up. Uh, it is the best shrimp I've ever had. I'm lightly addicted to it. And I'm going to be gut honest, before I came here, we looked for a church in St. Augustine just because of the shrimp. He um, He's a retired school teacher and he lives down there. But I remember, and we still, when we get together, just enjoy our conversations together and so forth. But I remember when I met him, he wasn't going to church and he had all kinds of questions. And, and he just gave up. He had given up. It was too hard to figure out. Too many rules, too many, too complicated to follow Christ. And so... But I said, well, just tell me one thing that's bothering you or confusing you about that or whatever. And he says, well, he said, I don't understand why we all, you know, I don't like wearing a tie. I don't understand why everybody has to wear a tie to go to church and so forth. And I'm like, you don't have to wear a tie to go to church. And uh, and it was like, what? And I was like, well, you haven't been in church in a while if you're still thinking you have to wear a tie. But uh, but it was questions like that, things that he he just felt like. And, and what has happened, what had happened is when he had questions about things, he just was with people who didn't have clarity, who, again, were not really consulting the Holy Spirit or consulting the Word, but were just given the best reasons they had. And they said, I don't know, I don't know why we do that. We just do that, you know. Well, if you have been in church and you don't understand things or why this happens or why is there this injustice or why does the church do this way when it hurts people or why does the church do things that are you know restrictive or difficult or painful or, or see when you see things in the church or in the body of Christ or in or in religion or in in Christianity especially when you see things and you think this doesn't seem right ask for clarification because I'm going to tell you when you actually get into the Word, it is right. And it is all wrapped in love that is easy to understand. Children can get it. Children can get it. I, I remember, I've never been in a Sunday school club. Well, okay, i got to be really careful about this one. 
Because children will say they hate God, they will say they hate Jesus, but not for the right reasons. But they um, just be difficult. And I'm speaking of my own family. Uh, but they, but most of the time, when you go into Bible school or Sunday school and you got kids and you're telling them about Jesus and so forth, they get excited. They love Jesus. I remember uh, going overseas. We were in uh, in a Muslim culture. We had taken this little camera and we were we put uh, we printed out pictures of me. We found out kids love to have their picture taken, and we stick the camera and, and we take their pictures, stick the data card in, and we print their pictures. And on the back we had a little sticker that said Jesus loves you. Well, in the Quran, Jesus is Isa. The person who is doing this for us just transliterated Jesus, so they didn't know what Jesus meant. But anyway, so they were like, what does this say? And I said, it says, Jesus loves me. And they were like, Jesus loves me? I love Jesus. And they were like, and they were like, and they, so you have all, it was just a the surreal moment when you have all these little Muslim girls singing, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, we love Jesus, we love Jesus, you know, and you're like going, whoa, that's kind of crazy. But that's because from what they knew about Jesus, he loved them. They loved him back. And kids get that. And adults, we some when things happen that we don't understand, and, and we, we begin to think that God doesn't love us. Well, let me tell you, he loves you. He absolutely loves you. And he wants you to understand that he loves you. He wants you to understand that if there are things in your life that you need to know, He will make those things clear. Absolutely. He is never going to ask you to do something that He will not make clear. Oswald Chambers in his devotional, My Most for His Highest, has this little phrase that I love. It says, when in doubt, don't. Because God always makes His will clear. That is the characteristic of God's will. He will make it clear. He loves clarity. He doesn't deal in chaos. And so when we don't understand, one of two things is at work. Either he has allowed that cloud of darkness to just be there. There's a reason. And we wait. We wait for clarity. We wait for the clouds to lift. We wait for the light to shine. We wait to understand he, did, he is never throwing us into a situation saying, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You've got to figure it out on your own. He never does that, ever. Hear that. Hear that. He never puts you in a situation where he says, I want you to figure this out on your own. He always makes his will clear. Either you do not have enough understanding of his word and you need to get understanding of his word or you need to listen to what the body of Christ is saying. You need to pray more or whatever. He's trying to communicate with you. And if you do all those things and you still can't get a word, then sometimes he's just saying, there's no word to get. That one I'm not going to answer for you right now. So you just got to move on. You got to move on to the things you do know to do. Do what you know to do. Because I am telling you this over here. I've made this clear. You need to do this. And I, that's what I tell people. And they say, I don't know whether God wants me to take this job or not. I said, they say, so I, don't, I just don't know what to do. I say, well, you know you're supposed to love other people as Jesus loves you. That's a clear directive. Do that. Just do that. Love your family. Love your spouse. Love your kids. Love your parents. Honor your parents. Serve in the church. We know these things. 
Second thing, joy comes in the morning. Now, look at it, change the spelling of that word a little bit. And I thought, boy, that'd make a great book title, and somebody already did it. All my best stuff is already stolen. But there is a, a truth in this as well, that sometimes when it's in that time of difficulty that we discover joy. Sometimes that we have to go through that, you know, that it's always darkest just before the dawn. The reason why we hear phrases like that over and over again is because of the truth of it. There is a, there is a time after the difficulty, and, and, and even in this, sometimes we'll see that light on this side of eternity, and sometimes we won't. But whatever the case... There's going to come a day when I'm going to open these eyes and I'm going to see Jesus. That's not going to be a disappointment. But some in this life, he gives me little previews of that. Because I'll have this really, really dark moment. And then he just brings light into it. And you're like, wow. Got that? I, I did not see how you were going to make that turn out to something good. And you did. And when you say, well, I've been praying that and praying that and praying that. Well, just... Understand, it's going to happen. No matter what difficulty any of us faces, the promise is this, it does come to an end. And on the other side of that, for people of faith, is we get to see the bright, bright future that Jesus has for us. Look in verse 19. He says, Jesus knew they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I said a little while, and you will not see me again a little while, and you will see me? Jesus, I, I know what you're saying. Let me give you some clarity. Truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. Now, that's, this is the temporary thing, and, and this may be where you are. You may be in a time where you are in the weeping and mourning phase and the world is rejoicing. As a church, we have experienced this ever since there's been a church. The church has always gone through periods of time where we weep and mourn and the world rejoices at our weeping and mourning. I mean, do not forget, one, that Jesus, our Lord, suffered and died and and he called us to bear a cross as well. The early church was persecuted for their faith. They were thrown into lion's dens. They were dipped in oil and set on fire. They were uh, persecuted and they were imprisoned. They were stoned to death. They were all, all types of dark things happened to them. And yet they kept, why would they keep going? Because they knew that these lives were, this phase of our existence was temporary. They were trying to get to Jesus. And so they literally took up the cross that they had and would bear that. And if it meant their suffering and death, they would rejoice in that. Because they were like, they they went from the perspective of, I may be weeping right now and so forth, but there is a better moment coming for me. So the the people in the world around me that are rejoicing are the ones to be pitied because that joy is going to turn to sorrow permanently. I lost my page flipped, I'm sorry. It says, he says, um, truly, 
He said, truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will, be, you will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. That is one of those scriptural examples. If you have not been through it, you may not really understand it. I know I read that and thought I kind of got it until when I walked through that with my wife uh, in our first child. Because I don't know how many hours, she was in labor for very, very many hours. It seemed like, I don't know, it seemed like a year of labor, but I think, but it, and then three days. I remember we went, uh, she was so desperate uh, to get that baby out of her that she said, we were going golfing, and she said, she rode on the back of the cart hoping the golf cart would bounce the baby out somewhere around the 15th hole, but that didn't happen. But she did go into labor that night, so, you know, if, just put that, tuck that one away. Uh, we, 11 o'clock at night, she starts into labor. We go to the hospital. I'm, remember, I'm just, understand, I got married when I was 20. I'm 21 years old. First baby. Her first baby. Um, I have no idea what's happening. We get to the hospital. Remember, I don't know if you can think back to this. We were counting labor pain. They said, when contractions get to this many minutes apart, then you can come in. And so we're like, it's, it's got to be time. It's like, oh, it's a, okay, there's the time. And so we rush to the hospital. Think We're thinking the baby is going to be here any minute. She's going to have his baby right now. It's obvious she's going to have this baby right now. Now, let me just preface this by saying my wife, she's gone on to work this morning, so you won't be able to, I don't know, pray for her or whatever, but... This is my wife. I've shared this before. Just in case you ever think Kim is a wimp, and you shouldn't. But uh, she, in her head, said, I do not want my baby to have any type of medication in its system, so I will put no medication in my system. She had her, mo- her grandmother was in the nursing home, and the woman next to her grandmother had had um, the thing where they stick the thing in your back and you... Epidural, thank you. And um, she had had an epidural and was paralyzed from it. It's very rare. But Kim had that, no epidural. She said, no pain, no epidural, not an aspirin, not a Tylenol. She said, just going to do it. She did that four times, four times. And Jonathan, our youngest, was nine pounds, nine and a half ounces. I was taking Tylenol. (laughs) The... The, um, but would Kristen come in? So, so here we go to the hospital, 11 o'clock at night, and they're like, so they're checking her and so forth. And I remember the nurse coming in going, well, we decided not to send you home. And it's like, what? You know, and so forth. I just have to share this little story because it was kind of a, uh, probably something I shouldn't share, but I'm going to share it anyway. I, um, we, <laughs> we were in the, we were in the room and so I'm, we, we practice this Lamaze thing. So we're doing this breathing and so forth, and I'm breathing and so forth, hyperventilating or whatever. So we're going through all these, these contractions. I remember I always look at the little graph, and I'd say, oh, here comes one, here comes one. And Kim would look at me, and she goes, I know, I know it's coming. I said, yes, here's a graph. And so, uh, so she would, so we walk through these things or whatever. Well, her water broke, and when her water broke, she's laying in the bed, and there was just like this poof underneath the sheet. 
I ran out of the room and I said, she had the baby. It's underneath the blankets. They laughed at me. So we have many, 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 many more hours to go. When she had, we finally, I mean, she pushed and pushed and pushed and she had broken every blood vessel in her face and so forth. She looked like she had been in a prize fight. And when we got done, she looked and she smiled and she said, never again. <laughs> but when she had the baby, I can remember her, just the, the pain and the anguish. And she's just, she's so miserable, so miserable, so miserable. When they put the baby on top of her, and Kristen, she's not that big now. You could probably put her on top. But anyway, she put Kristen there. I can remember her whole demeanor changed, and and it was like she loved life again. She loved it was I mean joy. That's the only word I could use to express joy. And so when I read this about what Jesus is saying, I think back to that moment. I think that that the the pain and the difficulty, because this is the thought that gets in your head. This is never going to end. And the nurses kept saying, nurses are like little gospel people. They're like, You're, there's going to be a baby. It's going to happen. There's going to be a baby. Just stay in there. Hang in there. Don't go. And, uh, and, so, and so you just try to push through, push through, push through. And that's what Jesus is saying. This is going to have an end. This is going to have an end. Whatever difficulty you're going through, there's going to be an end to it. Even if it's you just end. And I know that that's like a sad thing that we have or a fear that we have. It's like, but this is, he's, he tells us, that's why he gives us all the word and the whole counsel of God's word is this. He's like, look, whatever comes after this is much better than whatever it is you have right now. You just have to trust in that. It's really hard to believe that, isn't it? And that's why Jesus gives his example for any anybody who's ever been close to somebody who's gone through it understands it. And that is, remember, she no longer remembers the suffering because of a joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. If there's one characteristic of this age, it's that people can rob us of our joy. And I, well, I, let me qualify that. Because really nobody can take it from you, but we give it to people. We give our joy away. And, and I hate it that people are deceived and it's like you, and no matter how, and I've been that person. I have willingly given my joy to the enemy, willingly given my joy to people who didn't deserve it, willingly given my joy to people who are just corrupt or difficult or whatever. I have taken the best of what life has for me and I just gave it away in order to live in misery and pain and sorrow and mourning. And he's like, here's the thing. Trust in the promise. You will rejoice again. Because when I leave this place and go to Him, I can't even give my joy away. There is nobody to take it. There is nobody to take it from me because everybody else has it. Everybody else is already filled with joy. Nobody's trying to rob me of mine. Because that's what, what's really happening in the world. People don't have the joy that comes from knowing Christ and they just don't want you to have joy either. Satan is just simply trying to get you to experience the same hell that he is stuck in. 
and we so willingly go. But there will come a time when his power is negated and he does not have the ability to do that anymore. And we will rejoice and that joy will never leave. If just for that, just for that, would it? you should long for it. That's why John said, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray, thy kingdom come. We want, we want him here now. We want the joy sucking to be taken away and to be able to live and rejoice forever. And Paul even said, that's to die is gain. Oh my goodness, Paul was just like, I want to be there. I'm so tired of the misery and gloom and sorrow and pain of this world. I want to be in the presence of Christ. But he said, but I stay. He said, to live is Christ. In the same way Jesus left that place of joy, Jesus left that place where there was no power of the enemy. He left there and came here and dwelt here because he had a mission. And that's why we're here. That's why he says, take up your cross. Walk through your suffering. Go through your difficulty to get this mission done. Why would we do that? Why would we stay here? Why would he leave us here? Well, for me, he was my grandson, fan. That's one. And every time you share the gospel with someone and someone receives that gospel, that's one. We went through that whole campaign of who's your one. You know all those who's your one cards we filled out and all those names of people that we were praying for to be saved? That's why we're still here. For them. Because we are the means by which God has chosen to share that. So, But just trust the promise that you will rejoice again. And then finally, you have not because you ask not. We don't have joy because we don't ask for joy. I am always perplexed why it takes me so long to ask God how can I have joy in this situation? Where is your joy in this? And when I ask him, he shows me, here is the pathway to joy. One, you've got to start doing what I tell you to do. You've got to trust me. And you've got to stop believing the enemy. If I don't do what he tells me to do, if I don't trust him, and if I believe the enemy, I'm never going to have joy. But we are given the opportunity. Well, let me look. Let me share what it says. Verse 23. He says, In that day you will not ask me anything. He's saying, In a little while, when, when, when you are in the place with me forever, you don't have to ask. You don't have to ask. You're going to have joy, the fruit of the Spirit is going to be manifested. You don't have to ask for anything. You have it all. But right now, this is an asking time. He says, truly I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. Why? So that your joy 
may be complete. And here is a little system of things that God has set up. And I see this manifested in my own relationship with my children and grandchildren. I have things that I know they will want. And I wait for them to ask for it. And when they ask for it, I give it. And the only reason I give it to them is for their joy. I get joy in their joy. If you have children and grandchildren, you should understand that. Especially grandchildren. I like to torment my own children. But I don't find joy in that with my grandchildren. I like them to be happy all the time. Because their parents are tormenting them. You know, and that's so... And they're... So anyway. But we... We have the ability to do this for others. And God even says, if the... If I know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more so he knows how to give good gifts to his children. He wants to bless you. He, the fa- Our Father in heaven loves you to have joy. Now let me, this is not a prosperity gospel moment. This is a truth moment. Because this is the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is, is that God takes pleasure in your suffering. That God, this is a lie of the enemy. This is not how God thinks. God does not come along and say, I'm allowing these difficulties to come into your life. I'm allowing all these riots. I'm allowing a virus. I'm allowing, because I hate this world and I want to see calamity brought on it and I want to see pain and difficulty and suffering because you all deserve it. And when things are going wrong in your life and you lose your job or, or somebody dies that is close to you or you go through, get a bad diagnosis or, or you have uh, things that are falling apart in relationships and so forth and you're going through the struggle and you're like, I deserve this. I had this coming to me. God is doing this to me to punish me because he, he wants to, he's like, God's going, ah, how does that feel? That's what the enemy says. That is not a truth about God. He wants his children to experience joy. And he knows how to bring you joy. If he is withholding anything from you, it's because he knows if you have that, it will rob you of joy. If he is allowing suffering in your life, he knows that he has to allow that suffering in order to bring you to a place where you can receive joy. It is always with the end result that he wants you to be joyful. So when you are in a situation, you can ask all you want, and it's okay to ask, God, I'm, will you show me how to get to the joy that you mean for me to have? Will you direct me toward joy? I, I, I really love this next phrase here, so... My next T-shirt. I got Gobey. I got a T-shirt coming out with that. But here's my lack of joy is a symptom. Lack of joy is a symptom. When you, if you don't have joy in your life, it's a symptom. But here's the thing: turn to Jesus as your soul, soul supplier. I don't know why I get such joy in that. See, that's I get joy. Turn to Jesus as your soul, soul supplier. Here is. The key, if you are trying to get your joy in other sources and other forms than from Jesus, you're going to come up empty. 
that is why you do not have joy. And God, every time when you are looking for it in places other than him, he's not giving you joy in those things. So that, and, I, and I hear that, and as a parent you hear that, right? As a parent you hear when your children are trying to do the wrong thing and try to get a good result out of it, you look and go, of course you're not going to get a good result. You're doing something wrong. Well, God, even more so, is looking at us, and when you and I are doing things that he never asked us to do and doing it in a way that he didn't ask us to do it, He's not going to reward us with joy. There, there's the, the automatic response is, is that it's not joy because we're not in the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. But when we are walking in the Spirit, when we are doing, then, then that, when we don't have joy, it's a symptom. We are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are looking to other sources for our joy. Jesus needs to be our sole, our only sole supplier. Let me ask you this question. Are you waiting on Jesus to take care of you? If you are going through a dark time, are you waiting for Jesus to send what you need to take care of you? Here's what happens. We get a plan B in our head and we start going down another direction. We, uh, so often, it's like God's not going to give me what I need. This is what I need for joy. We get that in our head. This is what I. This is what needs to happen. I need this job, or I need this this to happen, or we need to buy this, or do this, or go here, or do that. There, we have this. This is this is what would fix this situation. We work it out in our heads, and we say, "Okay, God, this is what I need to fix this situation." He doesn't do anything, and we're like, "Okay, He's not going to do anything. I have to do something. We have to do something. Let's fix this." That's Plan B. God's not working. Let me do it. Let's work on it. Are you already doing that? Are you already in the midst of that? Because if you are, stop. Stop trying to fix this on your own. Let Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, be your solution. Let him supply your need. He wants you to have joy. We've already established that. So now ask him, God, Give me what I need to get through this. Fix it like you want it to be fixed. Heal me like you want me to be healed. Transform the situation like you need the situation to be transformed. And God, may I just be obedient. May I walk in the path that you've prepared for me. Would you do that today? Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for how great and amazing you are. And just pray this morning as we sing. Father, we would not turn to plan B. We'd just turn to you. Hear us, Lord. Hear us cry out to you for our need. Lord, you said anything, whatever we ask in your name, anything, you will do it. Lord, and of course you mean whatever we need to do, would you put us here to do? Whatever you need, we need to do, when we are doing what you put us here to do, then we have the joy you mean for us to have. And if we want our joy to be full, we believe and trust that when we walk with you and we do what you ask us to do, that that will make our joy complete. So Lord, may we do what you put us here to do, trusting that the joy will come. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we have this time of invitation? And this morning... This is an invitation to stop trying to save yourself. To stop trying to save others.
Stop trying to save the world. If you're trying to get on social media and say the right thing on a Twitter account or something that will transform this world, give that up. Lay that one down. You are not going to retweet, repost something that's going to make the world a better place. The solution the world needs is Jesus. Period. So just, you also need Jesus. Receive him today. Trust him today. As we say.